Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and began and, and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter in fishing. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Today is one of those days that the Old Testament reading just pairs so well with the the Gospel. Because we have uh, my best friend from seminaries ordination and installation um, reading. This is the reading that they did at his ordination and installation. I was tempted myself to have Isaiah 6 uh, read at my ordination, but instead, you know, I'm more of a Jeremiah chapter 1 kind of guy, so I uh, didn't take take him up on the offer. But this is a story from the Old Testament about the prophet Isaiah who had, once again, kind of like what I was talking about with Jeremiah last time, a very, very difficult task. Uh, He was raised up by God, you know, not necessarily an ordinary person. He had pretty interesting relatives, Isaiah did. Uh, But he was called upon to do a very difficult task, to tell people who thought that they were faithful and good followers of God to repent Because something bad was to happen to them of their own accord. They had stopped listening to the Lord and obeying his commands and doing what he wishes. They weren't keeping up their end of the covenant. And so he was going to send them into exile. Not always something you want to hear said to you each week in the sermons. But it's interesting. It, It happens the year that King Uzziah died. Now, besides the interesting nature of being linked to a specific time in history, 
we see the end of a king. Pretty good king, too. He brought stability to Israel because he ruled for like over 50 years. Uh, Sure, he faltered at the end, but many of us do. And though it was the end of his reign, he, Isaiah, goes into the temple and he sees a vision of Yahweh, the Lord, high and lifted up. The end of an old king and the true king high and lifted up on a throne. And Isaiah goes in there and he sees something forbidden that people usually don't get to see. I like to say shouldn't be allowed to see. He sees angels in the presence of God weaving back and forth, going to and fro, forbidden, messed up, a little nasty, makes their skin crawl. What is this creature, this seraphim? What, two, two, uh, two wings covering the eyes, two wings covering the feet in um, uh, modesty, two covering the face and with two he flies. And he is proclaiming something as he is an angel doing his job. He's uh, proclaiming God's word back to him, just as we do. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts. Yahweh, God of armies, the whole earth is full of his glory. We recognize that. That is from our liturgy. I wonder where it came from. Now, however, I do want to fill you in. I always thought this was cool. When I learned, when I was taking Hebrew, holy, 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 what's going on there? Why do they say it three times in a row? Let me tell you, it's not because it's due to the natural inclinations of the human heart. It's how Hebrew people talk. If they're saying something is the holiest thing, they just say the adjective holy three times in a row. If they say something is far and it's the farthest thing from you, it's farthest, farthest, farthest. And so that's there, that's there, but that's there, there, there. The furthest thing from me. And so God is holy, holy, holy. Yeah, things can be holy. Yeah, things can be holy, holy. But God is holy, holy, holy. Most holy. And so Isaiah realizes this, that he is in the holiest of holies, the sanctuary, in the presence of God. And he realizes Ooh, I'm a man of unclean lips in a land of unclean lips or people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, Yahweh of armies. Whoops. I'm sinful and I'm in the presence of God, unabated, 100% in the presence of holiness. What am I doing here? He confesses his sin. I'm lost. I'm unworthy to see God, let alone stand in his presence. And so God interrupts him, that same seraphim proclaiming that he is in the presence of the holiest of holies. He brings a tong with a burning coal 
And he takes it from the altar where they're burning incense, burning up or uh, offering up prayers with incense. Maybe sometime I'll show you my incense burner. You'd love it. And he takes it on the tongs and he touches it to the lips of Isaiah. And the incredible gift of God's promise, the forgiveness of sins, is given to Isaiah. He says, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. I hate to cut to the chase, but of course this is what happens when I reach out Christ's body, his blood, and I touch it to your lips and I say, receive and eat for the forgiveness of sins, Christ's body, Christ's blood. God loves to remind us not only with words, but with touch. Your sins are forgiven. Never mind that, oh, you're, you're unholy or you're sinful. I'm going to interrupt that. I have declared you clean, holy, sinless. I'm God. I love you. And I love that about God. And so Isaiah was struggling with this divine task appointed to him. How can I go? For the the Lord asks, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah, of course, is thinking, I'm sinful. I can't go and proclaim the word of God. I can't repeat back the promises that God has given to me through his word. Now, of course, we have a book of about 60 plus chapters left behind of God's word given to Isaiah to give to us. So we know he was proven wrong. But in this moment, early on, only six chapters into his young life, he's being sent out by God, doubting. And God says, go and do it. You even say, here am I, send me. Your sins are forgiven. That's all you need. You have my word. And so I begin to bring us, the congregation, into the story, God's redemptive plan for all humans. I bring you in here because God does the same thing for us. He proclaims to us in his word, your sins are forgiven. He shows us with his body and blood in communion, your sins are forgiven. Each morning you remember, I'm baptized. My sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you go home and you continue to spread the word. And now I'm sure you've heard a million sermons about how you have to go out there and spread the word. What I'm chiefly occupied with right now is that you go out those doors and you spread the word with your own family, with your own friends, but start with your family first. You can do it. Start with your spouse, your family, your kids. Pray the Lord's Prayer at dinner before bed. Talk about what happened during the service, that weird thing pastor said. Try to remember just one verse from the bulletin. Pick it up. Keep it on the kitchen table. You can do it. I even have a short order of service in the back that you can do at dinner time. It'll take you five minutes. And the reason I tell you this is God wants you to do this no matter what. He gives us specific instructions as parents, husbands, wives to do this in Ephesians chapter 6. I won't read it to you. You can do that on your own. 
What I want to instead talk about is Isaiah. Because after this very encouraging story of a man who feels that he can't do it, and then God interrupts him, forgives his sin, and says, yes, you can, by my power, go and do it. Spread my word. Remind others that as your sins were forgiven, others' sins can be forgiven by me. We get some spooky words. And I was eager to look over at your faces as blessed Charlie was reading this Old Testament lesson because he kept going. And it might have scared you, but I couldn't wait to see what you thought. For after Isaiah says, here I am, send me, I will do it. Yahweh God, Jesus, tells Isaiah directly, go and say to my people, keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and are healed. You see, God sets up an interesting paradigm. Something weird happens. As Jesus is teaching, you've heard this a million times. He's teaching and lots of people didn't understand that parable or lots of people didn't understand that saying. And so Jesus has to say, well, I know you didn't get it, but for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Those with eyes to see, let them see. Those with hearts that are open to me, Jesus, let, let you understand. Turn, repent, and be healed. Spread the word. Start with your family. I think of the father who doesn't necessarily understand everything that's going on in that book or doesn't know all of those weird proper nouns that are difficult to pronounce, but he knows that he has to read at least a few chapters, at least one chapter to his, his sons, his daughters each night. He says, Lord, I don't really understand what's going on in here, but I know that I have to do this because this is how families prosper. This is how I am changed. This is how the stone is removed from my heart so you can enter in, Lord Jesus. So I'll do that. And what's so interesting is, is Isaiah asks God, how long does this have to go on for? How long will people continue to not understand, not hear, not see, though some will. And God gives a very clear answer. And I want to, as your pastor, be able to explain to you what it means. God tells Isaiah, this will happen, this will be the fate of the world until cities lie waste without inhabitant, houses without people, the land a desolate waste, the Lord remove a people from far away, 
and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed as its stump. So what is God saying? He's saying that people will refuse to spread my word. People will refuse to understand, to hear, to see, to understand with their heart. They'll continue to do that until everything is taken away from them. And that's hard to hear. But God understands and recognizes that sometimes you and I don't understand and we just can't fully rely on God until everything is taken away from us and we're forced to fully rely on God and his promises and the hymns we grew up with and the words that are entrusted and dear to our heart. And in those Moments of lowness, lowness, lowness. He allows to bring out holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God of Sabbath. The whole earth is full of his glory. The only glory of the Father, Jesus Christ. Who, though we're at our lowest point, who, though... Everything has been taken away from us that we might look to him, Jesus, dead on a cross, dying on a cross, suffering on a cross. We might look at that, be interrupted and realize, oh, it really was all about him the whole time. What he suffered I am brought into his suffering in my own. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for my suffering. Even in my lowest of lows, I am taught to look to you and trust to you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and all my might. When I am weak, you make me strong. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being present with me. First, with Isaiah in the temple, then Paul knocked off his horse, and then Peter, who prays to his Lord, depart from me because I'm a sinner. And Jesus interrupts him and says, fear not, Peter. I'm not going to depart from you. Thank you for your prayer but I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to build you up. I'm going to feed you with my flesh, my blood, give you eternal life because I love you. And then he shows him that by going to the cross, by dying for him, him who betrayed Jesus, And then rising again. Rising again so that each of us who are sitting here in our baptism, in daily remembrance of it, are reminded that Adam, Eve, that resides in our heart that we were born with and has stayed with us since birth, 
We try our best to drown him or her each morning, but they're good swimmers. And so all day long, we got to keep trying to drown old Adam, old Eve. But Jesus in his resurrection has given us new life and we rise with him just as we went with him into his death in our baptism We are raised up with new life in him. And we look to him, holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen and amen.